0: This is an ABC podcast. Hello, welcome to Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor.
1: And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It is Tuesday, the 5th of October 2021.
0: Yes, we had a little public holiday yesterday in Queensland and New South Wales, but we're back again today. And one of the really exciting things, Norman, it feels like we've been doing this podcast for more than a year and a half now, and we've been looking forward to certain milestones for such a long time that I'm almost caught by surprise when we seem like we're closing in on them. And one of the milestones we're closing in on are these 70 and 80% double vaccination targets. So in the next week, I think New South Wales is going to be double vaccinated, 70% of the adult population. We're doing more than a million second doses a week Australia-wide. It's really exciting to be nearing these thresholds and we're already starting to see the effects of having such a large number of Australians vaccinated.
1: Well, in fact, uh, 70% double vaccinated is going to happen today or tomorrow in New South Wales. The opening up at 70% will happen next Monday when, in fact, with that five or six day delay, it's not going to be far off being eighty percent actually when it opens up at seventy percent if that doesn't confuse
0: people
1: <laughs> too much. This
0: is in New South Wales.
1: Yeah. Victoria's not too far behind. It's a couple of weeks behind. The interest I mean, just let's just gloat for a little while. <laughs> Three hundred and forty thousand doses in a single day at the end of last week. In America at the moment, the United States, they're achieving seven hundred and forty thousand doses a day. And they've got what, ten or probably twelve times the population of us? I mean, it's just extraordinary how well we're doing. Lieutenant-General Froon needs to be named um, Australian of the Year. I mean, he has just done an amazing job of whipping the Commonwealth vaccination programme into shape. So that's that's fantastic. We are achieving in Victoria and New South Wales, the ACT, um, in particular, some great results and really moving forward incredibly quickly. We've still got gaps In other states, in Western Australia, Queensland, uh, in regional areas, in Aboriginal communities, there are still big gaps and that's a real problem. But also we're seeing signs that the vaccine is working. So you're seeing a bending of the curve in New South Wales, which is almost certainly due to the vaccine. But in Victoria, where you could be really depressed at the fact that the numbers just keep on rising and you've still got exponential growth, what a lot of people have missed is that the hospitalisation rate has halved. Wow. So it's gone from 11% 11 or 12% at its peak to 5% now. The ICU admission rates have gone from 5% to 1.5%. And um, that's happened in New South Wales as well, by the way. But it's great news. Now, the problem, before we get too carried away... That sounds...
0: Is there a problem? <laughs> that sounds pretty good.
1: Well, yes, because if the numbers go really high, then you will get large numbers in hospitals, even though the rates have halved. But if those numbers can be start to curve downwards then those hospital, I mean, it really is showing the benefits of vaccination already, even though it's not turned the, the numbers of cases each day. So the risk in Victoria, and indeed it's a risk in New South Wales as well, is that the cases go nuts. And even though at low hospitalisation rates, you'll still get significant numbers in hospitals. Now, the other thing that you see in the data are that partially vaccinated people are starting to outnumber unvaccinated in terms of people who are ending up in hospital. And that, in fact, is to be expected. It's been seen overseas, and and it's not an excuse for the anti-vaxxers to get on their high horse. It's just that the majority of Australians now have had a single dose of vaccine. They're not fully protected, and they are going to be the majority of people who end up um, in hospital with the infection, just less likely to end up in hospital than the average. So we're seeing those two things running, which feels paradoxical, but in fact it isn't.
0: Oh, and then the other data that's coming from overseas is just homing in a bit more on knowing exactly how likely you are to transmit the virus if you've been vaccinated.
1: Yeah, last week on Coronacast, we talked about the infection risk. Now, the infection risk does drop significantly, maybe by 60 to 70 percent if you've had Astra, up to 90 percent if you've had Pfizer, depending on your age. That declines with Pfizer, stays about, you know, declines a little bit with Astra. But of the remaining people who get infected when, you're being, when you've been vaccinated, what is the chance of it transmitting to others? And with Astra, it's about a 35% reduction in transmission, but that disappears after about 12 weeks. So you do get that effect of Astra tends to disappear. Pfizer starts at about a 70% reduction in transmission, but again, that starts to disappear three months after the second vaccination. So there is some reduction in transmission, but eventually it disappears, unfortunately. So that's that's a bit depressing, but overall, as we're saying, vaccination is working.
0: You're saying that if someone who's been vaccinated manages to get an infection, even if they're not likely to get very sick from it, that what the risk is of them passing it on to someone else?
1: That's right. So maybe, you know, sixty or seventy percent of them, thereabouts, sixty to eighty percent of them won't get the infection at all depending on how long it is after the first infection, but of the remaining 40 or 50% or, for, you know, I'm losing track of my maths here, but of the remaining percentage who do get infected, there's an initial protection against transmission. You, you seem to, the vaccine seems to reduce the risk of transmission, but that wanes after time. The, the reason for that is not clear. It may be something to do with viral load, or it, but the authors are not too sure that that, in fact, is the case.
0: And if you're less likely to get infected at all, then you're less likely to pass it on. At the population level, you're still protecting the people around you by getting vaccinated.
1: That's right less virus circulating
0: so we have talked a lot about vaccination on this podcast and rightly so but we do get a lot of questions about treatments. and then the last few days there's been a couple of news stories around about different treatments one is a pill that could reduce your risk of covid the disease and another is i think it's actually one of these drugs that we've called monoclonal antibodies before but i'm not actually sure if a lot of people know what that actually means norman
1: so the one that's got, got into the news over the last few days, or a couple of days, is a drug called Monupiravir, which is produced by Merck Sharp and Dome, and I think they now call themselves Merck, and this is a direct antiviral drug. So this is a drug that really attacks the virus itself, it interpolates itself into the RNA as it's replicating, and stops the virus from multiplying. And this is quite revolutionary because there have not been many antivirals outside HIV AIDS.
0: Well, even Tamiflu, which is meant to stop influenza, doesn't really do that good of a job of it, does it?
1: No, it's just a pretty ordinary drug. There's an OK antiviral for shingles, but this is a direct antiviral. So that's great and could be used to actually prevent people proceeding to serious disease. It's tended to be used in the the trial. It was used to people with mild to moderate disease, not in severe disease. So it's yet to be proven in that sort of environment.
0: So it doesn't stop you from catching COVID. It's a a drug that's given to you if you've got COVID and it looks like it might get bad.
1: It's the viral equivalent of an antibiotic, essentially.
0: So with this molnupiravir, uh, I think I've said it right, how far along is it? When are we likely to see it in use in Australia?
1: Well, they stopped the phase three trial because it was showing benefits and was considered unethical to continue the placebo-controlled trial, which is what's often...
0: So unethical to give people a dummy one
1: when it's so good. That's right, yeah. So they, they have safety monitors in clinical trials where they can stop A trial if it's proving to be dangerous, but they can also stop a trial if the benefit is absolutely clear early and therefore people should not be given a placebo anymore. And that's really what happened here. And it's going to go through regulatory approval in the United States. The one worry about antivirals, like antibiotics, is that you can get resistance to them. So for example, anti-HIV drugs got resistance. So the treatment for HIV is multiple drugs particularly triple therapy, um, sometimes even more than that, so that the human immunodeficiency virus doesn't get a chance to mutate and become resistant to the uh, antivirals. And that's been very successful and driven HIV levels in people who are getting that treatment down to undetectable levels. It doesn't cure, doesn't get rid of it completely. So it's likely that people will develop resistance to this. So, And the solution here would be getting other antivirals onto the market and you would be giving a combination to people so that you don't get resistance. So the other drug is citrivumab and citrivumab is a monoclonal antibody. And what this does is it blocks the uh, spike protein from attaching to the body. So it doesn't attack the virus itself. It simply stops the virus or prevents the virus getting into the body and doing its damage.
0: So it's like the, the body's antibodies themselves just kind of stifling and gumming up the virus. That's right,
1: and it's given as an intravenous dose, so you get a single intravenous dose of citrovimab, whereas the molnupiravir is uh, are tablets, so that's oral, and this is an intravenous dose. So you got this has got to be this has got to be given to you in the home, hospital in the home by a nurse, or in the in the hospital, and it's given to people at high risk, and it does reduce significantly the chances of hospitalisation or dying of the disease, but it's got to be given early. It's not given when you're already really sick.
0: This etymology nerd always finds drug names really interesting, and I've only just figured out that if if it ends in vir, it's an antiviral, and if it ends in Mab, it's a monoclonal antibody.
1: Brilliant. Brilliant. (laughs) Top of the class.
0: (laughs) Thanks, Doc. Well, that's all we've got time for on today's Coronacast, but we'll be back tomorrow. If you've got questions or comments or etymology tips, send them to abc.net.au slash
1: coronacast. And we'll see you tomorrow.